Good evening. Welcome to the season two premiere of the Let's Talk About Sports podcast. Episode one will feature today's special guest, Scotty Gange, winner of the Jim Nance Award for Best Sports Broadcaster and Cronkite Class of 2020 alumni. How are we doing today, Scotty? Doing great, man. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's it's a good morning out in San Diego. It's, it's good to be chatting with my two friends again. I'm glad to have you here as well. Um, in the past couple of weeks, more attention has been taken away from the coronavirus, and everyone's focus has shifted to the very important and growing Black Lives Matter movement. As a sport po- sports podcast, we will focus on the parts that have affected the sports world. The movement has led to a lot of job changes and discipline at the professional and collegiate levels. Starting with the NFL, Vic Fangio pulls back on his stance that racism is not in the NFL. In a statement on June 2nd, Fangio said, I think our problems in the NFL along those lines are minimal. We're a league of meritocracy. You earn what you get, you get what you earn. I don't see racism at all in the NFL. I don't see discrimination in the NFL. We all live together, joined as one for one common goal, and we all intermingle and mix tremendously. If society reflected an NFL team, we'd all be great. According to ESPN, Fangio later pulled back on his stance by correcting himself and saying that his statement was ignorant and just because he hadn't experienced racism firsthand doesn't mean that it isn't prevalent in the NFL. What do you guys make of Fangio's statement? Uh, well, his init- my initial reaction was, how could you be this dense considering you know, you're a white coach and most of your players are black and sports in general is a situation where you have you know ethnicities coming from all over it's not a certain company or certain profession where a lot of times that you only have like a certain amount of you know people from one ethnic group or it's predominantly in one situation like there's a a fair mix especially on the end from you know like I said, being in sports, it's hard for me to see that. But if you look at it from an empathetic approach, surprisingly, people really don't realize a lot of stuff if it doesn't affect them, which is sad, but how the world is. Yeah, I think it's just a, it's, it's a time full of change in the NFL. I think we can all agree with that. Um, so it's, it's interesting to follow. You know, it's, it's, I think when you look at it, it got taken a lot of different ways. So if, you know, football, I think I, I'll go with what Herm Edwards said, which I think is awesome. He says, there's nothing better in the world than a huddle, right? Because it brings everybody together. And if that's how everything can be, then the world would be a special place. And so Herm Edwards always is saying, hey guys, let's huddle up, let's huddle up. And he's been posting a lot about that. So I love where Herm comes from that end. Um, and so yeah, that's kind of that's what I got to say there. Yeah, I agree with that from the standpoint of, you know, players and coaches. You know, you don't really see much racism racism going on between coaches and their players. They kind of just huddle up and play together because they're all in it for one thing, and that's to try to win a championship. Right. But in terms of, like, like ownership and front office and all that stuff, it's like, how do you have two black GMs and three black coaches in a league that's 70% black? That's that's where the that's where the the issue of racism, bias, and kind of this this like 
system of hiring where it's about who you know, not what you know. Mm-hmm. You know, like a lot of these owners hire people that they personally like or have connections with rather than necessarily the best candidate for the job. And I think that's why a lot of these um, former black players get the short end of the stick when it comes to coaching and uh, other front office opportunities. JJ Watt responds to a fan on Twitter saying that he will be kneeling for the national anthem. If you still think it's about disrespecting the flag or our military, you clearly haven't been listening, JJ Watt said on Twitter on Saturday, according to ESPN. What do you guys make of JJ Watt's comments? I mean, I feel like JJ has a good pulse on the situation and is a understanding of what's going on in the world at the moment, but I, I never understood in the first place back when Cat was doing this in 2016, how did they misconstrue, you know, kneeling and say, oh, you're disrespecting the country. I mean, me as a, a black man, the fact that I had to watch, you know, black, black AS, black as in order to r- r- know what Juneteenth was is, a big problem like the fact that that wasn't taught to me in school like I had to learn that on my own so when you see stuff like that how is it not more about making sure everyone's equal addressing racism and not about you know a country that if you look at it in many ways has spent its whole history you know oppressing black folks so I don't understand how the two correlate it's two totally different things I think it's good to see leaders in the NFL stepping up. You know, J.J. Watt, I think, like you said, it's been a long time coming for stuff like this, uh, to speak out, to to call for racial injustice and everything like that. Um, and so J.J. Watt, right, it's, he has been listening. A lot of guys have, have now been turning the tides. And so to see the conversation moving forward, even something like what we're doing right now, um, to me, I think that's great. And, it's, and it shows a positive direction that's far too late, I'd say. Um, it's been a long time coming, but even just the simple act of that and people speaking up and trying to, to create change and just have conversations is awesome. It's definitely a good movement forward. Lamar Jackson admits the Ravens were caught by surprise in a playoff loss to the Titans. He admitted that he and his team underestimated them ahead of their 28 to 12 divisional round loss as the favorites to win the ASC and appear in the Super Bowl. What do you guys make of Lamar's statement? Man, Lamar sounded like he didn't want to win the game from the big get go. Cause how do you underestimate a team that beat the Patriots on the road? Like that let alone should get your attention like, oh, they're for real because they beat the Patriots. And even though the Patriots were amazing last year, beating the Patriots in Gillette it's like winning a bare knuckle fight with Tyson Fury. It just doesn't happen really. So that would have got my attention straight away. And if you're coming in with that mentality, they want to lose the game from the jump. Mm-hmm. We, we, we saw a lot of the weaknesses in the Ravens in that game that nobody else really saw in the, what, probably 12 weeks prior when they were the hottest team in football. 
And a lot of it was just the fact that if Lamar is behind and a team can run, then they're done. And that's exactly what happened, right? So he was caught by surprise because here they are down seven, 10, 14 points. And for Lamar and the Ravens all season, it was so easy because they'd just throw it, run quick, score a touchdown, the defense would get a stop. But the Titans, they just hand off milk clock, hand off milk clock. Lamar goes out there. He hasn't, um, what, been on the field in 15 minutes and they get three and out because he's cold. And so, I mean, yeah, I, I agree with you, Lamar. It's just, it, it, was, a t- it was a tough look for um, Lamar. And hopefully next next season, I love watching them. I think the Ravens are really cool. I think it was um, Colin Cowherd said they can go 16 and 0. But like you said, they, they can't be uh, underestimating any teams next season for sure. They're a fun team to watch, but the one they're gonna have to learn how to play from behind if they even want to sniff a Super Bowl, because it's hard to play from ahead every single game and just run the ball every single game. They got to get the pass game going once they fall behind. I like the bell. Jamal Adams requests a trade, and according to ESPN, the Jet safety decided to demand a trade after unresolved contract dispute and his top seven landing spots are the Ravens, the Cowboys, the Texans, the Chiefs, the Eagles, the Niners, and the Seahawks. What do you guys make of Adam's trade request and where do you think he should go? He wants to win. That's what I hear. He wants to win. If I was him, I would do the same thing. Going to to LSU, you know, for your career, and then going to the New York Jets, it's like, you know, being given a full platter, a buffet all your life, and then the next day it's like, nah, you only get Popeyes now. That's a big jump off. And now he's like, man, I've been in the league for a hot minute. I'm one of the best safeties in the league, trying to get no Ws. And I think all those situations are, you know, pretty decent on good teams. But I think the best situations that stand out to me are the Seahawks, the Chiefs, and the Ravens. Now, if he goes to the Chiefs, they're going to be pretty much unstoppable because they're front seven of the league, and you already got Tyron back there as a safety. Uh, you go to Baltimore, similar situation because they're stacked everywhere, and this secondary is crazy because you already got Humphrey, uh, you got Jimmy Smith. Like, their whole team is just stacked. All Thomas, too. He would give them a lot of depth. And then the Seahawks need another safety in general because their secondary is kind of in and their front seven is pretty good. So depending on what he wants, if he wants to, you know, take the team to the next level or if he just want to go to the Chiefs and, you know, get busy, then that's what he should do. Yeah, it's it's the classic view of the rich getting richer right He's, he says oh i want to get i want to be traded to the seven best and coolest teams in the nfl <laughs> it's, yeah. he didn't even throw throw a bone to any of the smaller teams it's ravens cowboys texans chiefs eagles niners seahawks i think everybody in the nfl would want to play for one of those teams um if he goes i don't know chiefs, about the eagles or cowboys necessarily but yeah the rest of those teams eagles or cowboys they have like the two of the biggest uh like fan bases in the nfl it's been that way forever that's true you get paid yeah. on the Cowboys. The Eagles, you are, yeah. you are. I mean, a profit in Philadelphia if you play for the Eagles. Um, gosh, I, I don't really know exactly. 
where he should go. Lamar, you made a good point in the Chiefs, right? With uh, playing alongside Matthew, it would just be like the ultimate, um, you know, it's like Kevin Durant going to the Warriors type of deal. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, so, I mean, I think it'd be fun seeing him play for Dallas. I, I'm not a fan of Dallas, but I think it's fun when they're good because they are, you know, quote unquote, America's team. But I think they, they kind of should be in the playoff mix every year. And so he went there with, with uh, what Van Der Esch at, at linebacker for him. Ooh, He'd be yeah. great playing alongside Van Der Esch because Van Der Esch is a run stopper. Adams is a hard hitter, but he can also cover. So that tandem on defense, and now that they've got C.D. Lamb, They've got a solid running game with Chris Carson and Rashad Penny coming back from injury. And they also brought in Carlos Hyde for insurance. And DK Cass coming off a great rookie season. Uh, that that offense, all they need is a decent defense. And they're a contender. So I think Jamal Adams would be a great pickup for them. According to ESPN, former Clemson players DeAndre Hopkins and Deshaun Watson are petitioning the university to remove the name of John C. Calhoun from the school's honors college, with Hopkins noting that the slave owner's influence is the reason that he does not mention the university's name when he's introduced before NFL games. What do you guys make of the situation? I mean, it's a, another step in the, you know, the right direction. I think in general, back to what I said about America and it being built on the backs of black people pretty much, is it shouldn't have taken this long for them to get rid of some of these outdated statues and flags and all these different things that, you know, represent values that the country is not supposed to be, you know, embracing anymore. But, you know, changes to come at some point. So the fact that, you know, them former alumni, two public figures are advocating for it, hopefully, you know, Clemson takes heed to their advice and keeps it moving. Yeah, you know, Lamar said it well. It's it's kind of like, you know, what Lamar said before, what I said before, it's it's leaders in the NFL, leaders in society with such a great following that the NFL has and these guys have as football players and as men and human beings um, and, you know, citizens in this country is they're stepping up to make change and create change. Um, and so, you know, I think DeAndre Hopkins and Deshaun Watson are two, you know, amazing men, amazing football players, um, but, you know, most of all, like I said, amazing men. So to see them, you know, going forward and looking to, to improve our country in every way that they can using their platform, going back to their alma mater at Clemson, uh, that's pretty amazing. Yeah, definitely. Um, they needed to remove that name a while ago, but it's good that, you know, former players are helping the current players in terms of trying to make a difference at the university and uh, get these type of statues removed. But the unfortunate thing is, what the media didn't talk a lot about was the next day there was a Confederate flag protest in the middle of downtown Clemson the next day. So, you know, every it seems like every time there's a big step forward, there's always something that's setting it back. I don't know. It's a it's it's a tough situation, and and we'll see how Clemson and other universities move forward with these issues. 
Colorado State player is held at gunpoint by a man thinking he was a member of Antifa. The Colorado State football player was working for a roofing company in Loveland and was ordered to the ground and held at gunpoint on Thursday by a man who mistook the player and another employee as being members of the activist group known as Antifa. According to a report from 9news.com, Scott Gunmanson initially called police to report two men wearing face masks going door to door in his neighborhood. The 65-year-old told police he was going to confront the two men, and when police arrived, they found him wearing fatigues and armed with two pistols, holding both men on the ground at gunpoint. Gunmanson was arrested and booked on felony charges of menacing and false imprisonment, according to Larry McCowney jail records. What do you guys make of this messy situation involving the Colorado State football player? Well, first of all, I don't know how in the world did they think that he was an Antifa member because from the article that I read, he had his work shirt on, like they had face masks and they were just doing their job on the roof. And another thing is with all the things going on with, you know, police and all the awful, awful things going on in the world. I'm glad that it was simple as they arrested him and that was the end of it. Because that could have went left so bad. So the fact that they arrested him, I don't know why he came out with guns, think he was dead fool, doing a whole bunch of stuff that he wasn't supposed to be doing. Like you're not a superhero, it's not your job to handle any of that. Like mind your business, they weren't harming anybody, they were just doing their job. So the fact that they arrested him, they charged him. There was no, you know, killing or any dispute or anything that was created from the situation. It's a good step in the right direction. Right, I think you, you said it well there. I, I haven't heard that story or I didn't, I, this is the first time I'd heard it. So I was kind of worried that it was gonna get worse and worse in terms of the news. So, um, you know, it's good, like you said, Lamar, that it wasn't a terribly terrible situation where there was, you know, like fatalities or gunshots or anything like that. Um, so good for that, for being, um, you know, not awful as it could have been. It could have been much worse. But Brandon, you said, what do you make of this messy situation? It is messy. So you don't, you don't like to hear stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, it's ridiculous. Like, I don't know how you could suspect two men wearing their company shirts minding the business, wearing face masks, doing their job as being anarchists. I'm not sure how he could have made that mistake and how he thought it was appropriate to hold him at gunpoint with two pistols while waiting for the cops to come and think he was going to get away with it. But I'm glad that the cops handled it properly and that the man is in prison and the players were not hurt in the process but if i was in that situation i know i'd definitely look at life differently after that and it would definitely be a scarring moment but the most important thing is that they're okay and nothing bad happens so and our last topic of the day is iowa parting ways with football strength coach chris doyle amid claims of biased behavior based on race what do you guys make of iowa's decision uh i mean it's smart if 
you have someone who is in your program that is creating an environment where everyone doesn't feel comfortable because he's discriminating discriminating against you know other players on the team and not giving everyone the proper care and help that they deserve then I think it's only just that they get rid of him like it's the only thing because if you don't get rid of him then all you're doing is exacerbating the situation and then it would just turn everything upside down for program. Yeah, I think it's, I, I didn't hear about that, but it, it sounds pretty similar to what uh, the Cronkite School did, right? Is when there was, they had a new dean coming in that had some, a terrible track record of just poor inclusion. And if that's what the Iowa strength and conditioning coach was doing as well, and just not respecting everybody in their program for their own uh, personal beliefs and everything like that, like, that's not cool. And so um, you said it right, Lamar. It's, it's just all about respecting everybody for who they are as people. Um, and so it's nice to see some universities are going in the right direction and, and you know, honoring, respecting every single one of their students. Um, so yeah, that's, that's great to see just universities taking the next step, like, you know, like we're doing right now and just in having these conversations and stuff like that. Um, so good for you, good for Iowa, good for the Cronkite school too. Yeah, I think, um, Cronkite definitely did the right thing in parting ways with the incoming dean. That is all we have for the season two premiere of the Let's Talk About Sports podcast. I'd like to thank special guest Scotty for taking the time out of his day to be on this episode. And thank you all for listening today. The next episode is being released on Friday, June 19th by 11.59 p.m. We have also set up social media accounts strictly for promoting content for the Let's Talk About Sports blog and podcast. Check the, the Let's Talk About Sports podcast new social media accounts instagram at let's talk about sports blog twitter ltas podcast 20 to find out when the next episode is released and to find the link dming us is the quickest and easiest way to reach us and links to the accounts are at the top of the page you can also subscribe to receive automatic email updates for the let's talk about sports blog and put in content requests or requests to be featured in future episodes by going to aubreyjones 99wixsitecom slash let's talk about sports slash contact.